Well, welcome to Front Range. My name is Ernest Smith. I'm the lead pastor. And we're so grateful that you guys are here, whether you're in person here or in the courtyard, or maybe you're watching at home. We're gra- grateful to have you. And our hope and prayers that this become a home for you, a place where you can build community, discover your purpose, and grow in your faith in Jesus. I do want to uh, just celebrate all of our graduates, all of you who have graduated from uh, high school or college. Uh, I know we also have people graduating from 6th grade and 8th grade and all that. Uh, so I celebrate all of you, uh, and we're just grateful for each of you and, uh, and what God's got for you in your life and where you're heading, and uh, we can't wait to see what God does in and through you. And uh, if you are a student in middle school or high school, we have a, a student camp coming up in a couple months, and spots are limited. Uh, so if you're interested in that, then make sure that you, uh, you sign up for that. You could talk to Pastor Brandon or go on our websites. Uh, but here's what I was thinking. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Brandon was talking about the student camp and, uh, and about scholarships and how every year we have people, um, kids who need scholarships to be able to go. Uh, and as I was listening to that, I just I felt convicted uh, that my life was changed at a camp. Uh, and so I need to be a part of that. I need to be a part of giving toward that. And so here's my challenge to you. If, you, uh, if your life was impacted at a student camp at some point, uh, then I would encourage you to be a part of seeing somebody else's life impacted. Uh, you can give by uh, the number up on the screen. You can do text to give, uh, or you can go on the website and you can give that way as well. Uh, but it, even if it's like 20 bucks or 10 bucks or 100 bucks or you want to do the whole thing or whatever, then uh, you can, uh, I'd encourage you, if your life was transformed at one, uh, then be a part of uh, seeing another uh, child have their life transformed as well. All right, for today, uh, how many of you, how many of you ever think about, the, you think about the good old days? Anybody ever think about the good old, you know what I'm talking about, the days when you were growing up, you know, the days where you were kicked out of the house until the streetlight came on? Remember, remember those days? The days when Alf was on air or you, my buddy was my buddy? Anybody have a my buddy doll? Wow, you actually admitted that. Okay, yeah, this is my, this is my my buddy doll. Uh, and uh, thinking about it now, it's kind of creepy, to be honest with you. It's the precursor to Chucky. Uh, in fact, I realized that this morning that mine actually has blood stains on his hands. So I'm not sure what he was doing. We're going we're gonna to get him out of here. Um, Last service I did that and the crowd was like, oh, like he was going to come back alive and kill me for doing that or something. Um, so, uh, or, or remember the good old days where you, you, like, you thought wrestling was real? Uh, I know some of you probably still think it is. Um, or, or when technology was a privilege, not a right, uh, right? Like I, I remember the very first gaming system I had was an Atari. Anybody have an Atari? Yeah, yeah, Frogger. I mean, like best game ever. <laughs> uh, I remember I, we, I felt super rich when we got the Nintendo. I'm not talking about a Nintendo Switch or even a Super Nintendo. I'm talking Duck Hunt and Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, you know, like I'm talking about that type of Nintendo. Uh, uh, I, we were, I was kind of running through parts of this message to our team the other day, and uh, one of our residents, his name is Jake, uh, and he's like 20 or something, and he's like, I, I, I don't understand like half of what you're saying. Uh, what does it mean to be kicked outside until the streetlights come on? I'm like, you're in your good old life right now. Like, so like, if you don't understand what I'm saying, it's because you're living your good life uh, at this point. Uh, my kids have no clue how good they have it, right? Like my kids, they want to stay inside all day. They want to watch shows and play video games, uh, or they want to worse, watch shows of other people playing video games, which I don't even understand uh, that, that whole phenomenon. And they're like, dad, dad, can we get on technology? And I'm like, no, 
You're not getting on technology. You're like, Dad, please, please, can we get on technology? I'm like, no. Not, like, you don't realize how stubborn I can be. I'm like a mule. Like, you're not changing me. Dad, Dad, please, 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 can we get. And I'm like, no, I'm not changing. I'm, I'm a grown man. You're not changing me. Dad, Dad, I'm a fine, whatever. Go get on technology. <laughs> like, every day I feel like a 43-year-old man who gets beat up by pubescent kids. You know what I'm saying? Like, how does this happen every single day? They have no clue how good they have it. But what I will say is that they're persistent. And persistence is the theme of the parable we're looking at today. Uh, we're in a series right now called Stories of a Kingdom, where we're looking at parables, these short stories that speak a truth that Jesus taught for you and I. Uh, and uh, and this parable, the whole premise is about persistence. If you miss any of the messages, this has been one of my favorite series that we've ever done. Uh, if you miss any of the messages, I would encourage you to go on our message series hubs. You can get there by scanning the QR code on your worship guide that's found on your seat. Oh, you can go to the website. You can get there as well. There's uh, the, the previous messages. Also, there's all kinds of resources. We say this all the time, that it's our job to make you hungry. And then when you get hungry, when you want growth, when you want to change, when you want to go deeper in your faith, then we want to resource you. And so our message series hubs are a way to, uh, to resource you. So today, the, the main theme is about persistence. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 18. If you don't have your Bible, no worries. It's going to be on the screen. If you need one, stop by our connections tent, the blue tent, as you're walking to your way back to the car, uh, and just grab a Bible. And we don't need your name or your money or anything like that. Just grab one. We'd love to make sure that, that you have one. Uh, or you can download the Bible app. It's a great resource, reading plans, all kinds of things there as well. So here's the, here's the parable. Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 1. It says this, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. There's the main theme right there. Jesus goes ahead and tells us what he's about to tell us. We can just go home. We can shut it down. We can all go home. Always pray and don't give up. But Jesus knows that to cement this truth in your heart and in your mind, he needs to tell a story. He's at verse 2. He, says, he said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. So there's two characters in this story. There's the, the, the one person is a judge, and this judge is, um, in the eyes of the Jewish people hearing this story, he's the worst possible person because he doesn't fear God and he doesn't care about people. So he has no concern for God or others in his life. And then we meet a widow. The middle uh, widow represents those who are oppressed, those who are downcast. Uh, these were the lowest of the low uh, of people in society. So you have these two people, and the widow keeps coming to the judge saying, hey, I've got an injustice. Something is happening in my life. I need you to show up. I need you to, to help in this situation. I need you to fight for me. But the judge doesn't care about God, so there's no morally right compass that's guiding him. And he doesn't care about people, so there's no socially right compass that's guiding him either. So this woman has no chance at getting what she needs. Verse 4, for some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because the widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. I, I love these two verses because, first of all, the judge is so cocky that he's like, I mean, even though I don't fear God or care about people, like who says that? Right? Like, if, if, like if you think that, don't say it. Like don't say it to yourself. That's awkward. right? And then he's like, fine, I'll just do whatever she's telling me because I'm scared that this widow is going to come beat me up. Right, like something's wrong here. Now, back in this day, 
Uh, the way that the judge uh, and the judicial system would work, the judge would sit in a tent and the person would come and present the case before them. And there would be like a trial and all of that stuff. Well, this woman keeps coming day after day presenting this and the judge tells her, no, go home. Well, more than likely, she doesn't go home. She just kind of encircles the tent. So all day long, she's like, hey, judge, 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 help me. She's crying. She's screaming. She's doing whatever she can to get his attention. And finally, he's like, man, I'm just done. So he relents. But he doesn't relent because he cares about God or he cares about people. He relents because he's just tired of this woman's persistence. He's like, man, just, if you'll just go away, it's like my kids with technology. If you'll just go away, then you can have this. And that's kind of what he says. And then Jesus wraps up this parable by teaching us three things. And these three things coincide with what we've been saying every week of the series, that every parable teaches these three things. One, it teaches us something about God's character. It teaches us something about the kingdom of God. And three, it teaches us what is ours to do, like what's our step to take. So first, Jesus tries to teach us about the character of God. And what he's teaching is, is this, is that God is greater. God is greater. Look at verse 6 and 7. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? You see, this whole time Jesus is creating this lesser to greater argument. He's saying you have this judge who's a, a, a lesser being. Right? It's not a good guy, not a good person, doesn't have a moral campus, doesn't have a compass, doesn't have a social compass. Um, and, and yet this guy is willing to give justice to this woman. And yet God is so much greater. And if God is so much greater, how much more so will he bring justice into your life? This judge, being this poor human that he is, he still fought for justice. And yet God is so much greater than him, how much more will God do? God is greater. God loves you. God cares for you. God sees your pain. He knows the challenges you're facing. He hears your cries. He hears your whispers. God sees you. He knows exactly what you're going through and exactly what you need, and he is greater. Now, this is easy to understand when we compare God to this judge, because we go, well, this judge wasn't a good person. So, of course, God is greater than him. But, but it's much harder for us to understand this when we compare God to people in our lives. I, I've told this story before. When I, when I accepted Christ, um, people started telling me that God is my father. And I'm like, oh, I, don't, I don't even know, understand what that means. What does it mean that God is my father? Because my relationship with my earthly father wasn't that great. It was actually really poor. So then I began to go, well, God is my heavenly father, and he's anything like my earthly father? Like, can I trust him? Is he going to care about me? Is he going to walk out? Is he going to love me? Is he going to be there for me? And all of these things. I'm like, I had a hard time understanding God being father because I associated him with my earthly father. I've met a lot of women who have been abused by men or who have been taken advantage of and have had unbelievably terrible experiences with men. And those experiences have shaped their view of God. That if, if this person was like this in my life, is it, isn't God going to treat me the same? Won't he do the same to me? Won't he walk out on me? Won't he treat me like this? And so what we do is we compare God to people in our lives. And when we do that, then, then God isn't greater. But God is so much greater. He's greater not only than this, to this judge, he's greater than anyone else in your life. God loves you. 
He sees you. He'll never leave you. He cares deeply, deeply for you. He hears every cry, every prayer. When he hears it, he's going to respond. And that leads to what's Jesus trying to teach us about the kingdom of God. And that's this, that God will see that his people get justice and quickly. God will see that people get justice and quickly. Look at verse 8 as he's wrapping up the story. He says, I tell you, he will see, meaning God, will see that they get justice and quickly. There will be justice. There will be justice. And for me, this is a comforting thought. I I did a a values assessment a couple years ago, and in my top five values, justice is one of those values, meaning that I want to see wrongs made right. Like, it doesn't matter if you're in the different ends of political spectrums than me, or you and I don't see eye to eye. If you're being wronged in some way, I want to see that wrong be made right. It doesn't matter what you're going through, what you're dealing with. Like, my justice value just comes out. When somebody does something to me, I'm like, I mean, God talks about justice all the time. God says, vengeance is mine, declares the Lord. God, give me vengeance. You know, get, repay this person. Let your, like, smite them. Let fire come down from heaven. Like, I want justice to happen no matter what it looks like. But here's the problem. What I've learned over 26 years of following Christ is that God's justice looks very different than my justice. That the way that God sees justice and enacts it is very different than the way we see it or try to enact it. You see, our view of of justice is based on our values, based on our politics, based on how we see the world, and then ultimately it's clouded by our sin. Let me say that again. Our, our, Our understanding and our view of what is just, what is right, is based on our values, it's based on our politics, it's based on how we see the world, And ultimately, it's clouded by sin. God's justice is so different than ours. And there's many times where we may not be able to understand God's justice. Or it doesn't happen in the timing that we want or in the way that we want. But God's justice is always based on his timeless, eternal, loving, and good character. Let me say that again. Even if we don't understand it, even if it doesn't happen in in the timing that we want, even if it doesn't happen in the way that we want, God's justice always happens based on his timeless, eternal, loving, and good character. It may look different than what you want, but it will always happen. And in his eyes, it will always happen quickly. He will bring justice. Whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're going through, justice will happen. God will bring it. It may look different. It may feel different. It may be in a different time frame than than you want, but it will happen, and it will happen quickly. And then Jesus, he closes out this this parable by teaching us what is ours to do. And it's pretty easy because he actually opens the, the whole parable with what is ours to do, and that's to always pray and never give up. Always pray and never give up. Now, we're told multiple times throughout Scripture to always pray. We're told that all the time. We, we understand that intellectually, but sometimes that's difficult. You see, when you pray, you're going to get one of three answers. Sometimes you get yes. That's the best prayers, right? Like, we're like thank you, God, for answering that prayer. I, I'm so grateful that, that you said yes to that. Sometimes it's a no. No's are hard. Like, when we pray for something, and it's like, no. And that's re- it's, it's really hard, especially in our culture today where people aren't told no ever. It gets really hard for us to hear a no. But at least we can like, okay, good, now we can, we can move forward. 
I may not agree with it. I may not like it, but I, I can at least move forward now. The hardest answer I think that we get in prayer is wait. Like, just wait. Or somebody told me their, their, their view of the wait is how bad do you want it? I mean, like, how, how much are you going to keep praying for this thing? How much are you going to keep, keep coming before? How persistent are you going to be? It says always pray. To be honest, it's a struggle for me. Now, this is one that I, I struggle with. I, I get it intellectually. It's one that God's been working on with me for many years. But my tendency is to pray for something. If I get a yes, I'm like, ooh, sweet. If I get a no, I'm like, mm, okay, whatever, we'll keep moving on. But if I get a wait, I'm like, okay, I pray, I pray. And then I'm like, I'm kind of move on to something else. And I just move on. Like, so the waiting thing and the always praying thing is, is challenging for me. But the second part of this, it says always pray and don't give up. Don't give up. Look at, look at the, uh, or uh, I think when we, when, we, when we read that, like we could assume that it is, an, it is involving prayer. Like that what Jesus is saying is, hey, don't give up in your prayer. But I wonder if there's something more that he's talking about. Like look at the end of verse 8. Uh, the, very, the, the last thing that he says in this parable, he says, however, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth. That doesn't sound like a lot about prayer right there. So of course this parable is about prayer, always pray, but the don't give up, of course there's a part of that that's talking about prayer, but there's something else. What's Jesus saying here? What's, what's he saying about don't give up? He's saying don't give up your faith. He's propelling us toward not just praying always, but to be faithful. Many scholars believe that the main point of this parable is to teach us faithfulness. Not just about prayer, but to teach us to be faithful in life, that no matter what happens to you in life, that you would remain faithful. That no matter what answer God gives to your prayers, that you would remain faithful. That no matter what injustice happens to you or around you, that you would remain faithful. Over the years, I've seen a lot of people walk away from the faith, walk away from church, walk away from their relationship with God because of injustices. Because of things that have happened to them. Like I look out of this crowd and there's, there's a lot of you that I know and, and many that watch on home that, that I know that, man, you're, you being here honestly is a miracle. Like I'm so proud of you for being here because I know the church hurt that you've gone through. And it would be way easier for you just to walk away. For you to say, ah, you know what, all pastors are bad or all churches are bad or whatever. And it's just easier just to not go to church. But that's not faithfulness. You see, when you've been harmed in your life, it's easy to project that onto God or project that onto the church or onto your faith and just walk away. Or maybe when you've seen other people harmed, when you've seen injustices around you, you think, well, if God is a good and loving God, then why is he allowing this to happen? Why is he allowing shootings to happen? Why is he allowing people to die of starvation? Why is he allowing that? All these think, different things that we see throughout our world, if God is good and powerful and loving and he can do anything, then why isn't he stopping these things? And we walk away from our faith. We walk away from church. We walk away from our relationship with Christ. Here's what I've learned in injustice, and injustice isn't made right by walking away. It's made right by doing something about it. And injustice is never made right by walking away. It's only made right by doing something about it. This summer, uh, 15 of us from here will be going uh, to Kenya, East Africa, and 
Uh, I've been to Kenya many, many times. In fact, my wife and I, we helped start an organization uh, that we're going to be partnering with called Bread of Life. And um, as I was reflecting on our trip, I was reflecting back to uh, our first time that we went to this place called Turkana. It's in the middle of nowhere. I mean, it's a complete desert. Uh, I think you can see it in this picture. Like, there's literally nothing out there. And so our very first trip, we were there. I was leading it with a, a bunch of high school students. And uh, one of those high school students was a guy named Brandon Lake, who uh, now writes a ton of worship music and, uh, and all that. So it's kind of cool to like, think back to how God has used people and stuff like that over the years. But um, as we were there for the first time, we were handing out rice and beans. And we were doing that because they were in the middle of a famine. But they're always in the middle of a famine. I mean, these people just struggle. It's a very difficult place to live. And so we would bring beans and rice, and then people would walk uh, sometimes 10, 20 miles to come get some food. So I was just taking pictures of the team, and as I took this picture, like I noticed who was in my lens. I took the camera down, and I just looked at this mom who had three kids with her. Later I found out she walked about 10 miles to get here. And she walked away with nothing. At this point, we'd already run out of all the food. This was her chance to survive. This was her chance to allow her babies to make it another week or another month. We had nothing left. In that moment, I just started weeping. I remember once we kind of finished the the outreach part of that that day, I just kind of went off by myself, found some shade, and just started crying. Like, God, what, what is going on here? Like, what a terrible place this is. Where are you in the midst of this? Like, I've never been hungry like that. I've never walked 10 miles, probably in my life, much less to get food. Like, we were pretty poor after my parents got divorced, but I never had to worry about food. There was still food on the table. And I'm thinking about this woman and her kids and like how they have nothing now and there's a good chance they would die at this point. And I'm like, God, where are you in the midst of this? What are you doing? And as clear as I, I, I can recall, God said in that moment, Ernest, what are you going to do? Because an injustice isn't made right by walking away. It's made right by doing something. And so me and a, a bunch of people, I mean, over the years we've had not just me and my wife, but many missionaries and hundreds and hundreds of people have not only gone, but have, have, have given in some capacity. And I was reflecting this week about all the things that God has done since that picture was taken. We've started five churches in that area. We built a well in that area, so they have water now. We were able to, to start four schools where we have hundreds of kids that are getting an education. They're getting two meals a day which is two more than they were getting 15 years ago. They have medical care now. We built a hospital with a labor and delivery ward so that women wouldn't have to walk 35 miles to deliver a baby. Imagine that one, ladies. I mean, like, we've done so much for this place. And it's not like, oh, wow, look at what Ernest and Sarah have done or a couple people. No, no, it's look at what God has done through hundreds of people who have sacrificed so much, who looked at this situation and said, this is an injustice. This isn't right. And based on God blessing us and what God's done for us, we're in a place where we can then be a part. And injustice isn't made right walking away, and injustice is made right only by stepping in, 
only by choosing to do something about it. So the next time you see an injustice in the world around you, yeah, you can go post about it on social media. That's fine. I don't know how much good that does. I mean, uh, only if Jesus had Facebook, maybe he could have changed the world. You could post about it, it's fine. But go do something. Like actually be a part of change. Actually give your money or vote or take part in some action where you're creating change in the world around you. It's not enough just to see the injustice and just to say this is wrong or this shouldn't happen. The right thing to do is to go, God, how do you want to use me? How can you use me to right this wrong? Of course, always pray. Of course. But also don't give up. Don't give up in your faith. What does that look like? What does it mean to, to not give up? It means you keep praying even when you don't see your prayers being answered. It's like last week, we, we had a time where we encouraged everybody, if you had somebody that has walked away from the Lord, maybe it was a son or a daughter or a parent or a coworker or a friend, somebody in your life that has walked away from the Lord that you want to ask God to bring them back, we said, write their names down and put their names up here. And man, going through those names this week, holy God, so many of them. And it would be really easy, the temptation would be really easy just to stop praying for them. But keep praying. Even if you don't see your, your prayers being answered, keep praying. It means to be faithful means you keep giving even when finances are tight. Even when you're like, oh, I'm not sure how we're going to do this. You just keep giving. It means you keep serving even when you've got a thousand other things to do that day or that weekend. You just, you give. You just give of yourself. You sacrifice time because, because others need it. Because God wants to use you. It means you keep coming to church. It means you just show up at church when there's so many other things to do. Like when we first moved here, I was told, Ernest, this is a terrible place to, to start a church. I'm like, oh, that's super encouraging. I appreciate that. They said, here's the reason why it's so hard is because people only come to church if there's nothing else better to do that day. Like, wow, that's crazy. That's not faithfulness. Faithfulness is you show up. You show up. You be a part of what God's doing. You come, even though there's a thousand other things pressing for your time and your energy and all of that, you just keep coming. You just keep showing up in the different ways that God has called you to show up. Pray always. Don't quit. Don't quit. Even if the answer is wait, and that wait is a long time, don't give up. Don't give up in your faith. Of course, don't give up in your prayers, but don't give up in your faith. No matter what happens to you, no matter what happens around you, no matter the injustices you experience in your own life or you see others experience, don't give up. An injustice isn't made right by walking away. It's only made right by taking action. Don't give up in your faith. Will the Son of Man, will Jesus find faith when he comes back? Will he find you and I faithful? If you and I keep praying and we don't give up, I know I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God will right the wrongs. That our God will right the injustice that you and I see that is happening to us or that has happened to us or that is happening around us. That God will do something powerful. That God will show up in a powerful way. Keep praying and don't give up. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and I thank you just for your goodness and your mercy.
God, I thank you for parables like this that can speak to us in so many ways, Father. And obviously with this one, there's this powerful message about keep praying. That how we're called to keep praying. No matter what the answer is, we just keep coming to you. We keep seeking you. We keep begging you to show up. But God, also there's this other side where we're called to not give up in our faith. We're called to not give up in our relationship with you. We're called to not give up in our belief that God, you will show up and you will provide justice. You're greater. So we can trust that you love us, that you care about us, that you will enact justice on our behalf because you are greater. So may we not give up. Father, just like last service, just like every week, I know that we have people who've walked into this place. If we're being real honest, maybe we'd say, you know what? I have kind of given up on my faith. Maybe it's because of something that's happened to you. And that pain has caused you to question the goodness of God. Question whether or not God really loves you. If God truly does hear your cries. And so you've just laid your faith down in the midst of this pain. Or maybe some of us, maybe some of us watching online or maybe right here, we've laid our faith down because of the injustices we've seen in this world. Just thought, well, where, where's God? Why hasn't he shown up? Why isn't he doing anything about this? And so it's been easier just to put that faith on the back burner. If that's you, I just want you to know that God sees you. That our God is greater. He does love you so much. He has heard your cries. It's today he's saying, come home. Come home. Start by taking action yourself. Choose to come home. Choose to receive what Christ has done for you, that God's great love and his mercy sent his own son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins. So that even when we do experience the pain or see the injustices around us, we can run to him because we have that relationship with him. If that's you, with every head bowed and eyes closed, you can say, Ernest, man, coming into this place, yeah, I, I've laid down my faith. I want to pick it back up. I want to come home. If that's you. I just want you to raise a hand. I want to know who to pray for. Amen. 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 Father, thank you for each one of these individuals. Thank you that you know their name. If you're watching at home, you can simply text the word follow to the number on the screen. I want you to know our God sees you. He knows. He knows what you've been walking through. And he is greater. Greater than any human that has wronged you that has walked out on you, greater than this judge, he is greater. And he will bring justice. And quickly, whatever that means in his timing. And for all of us, God, tell us what is ours to do. God, when we see the injustices around us, God, let us not just complain about them. Let us not just say, man, this is wrong. Let's do something. Let us take action. Let's put our money where our mouth is, put our time where our mouth is. Whatever it may be, God, let us do something to right the wrong that we see, whether in our own lives or the people around us or our society. Use us, God, to create change in Jesus' name.